Yes, mm. Halloween time. Yeah. And we, we have the scariest thing on the planet Earth with us this mm. week. The Wolverine. The Wolverine. You know what? I am not the Wolverine. <laughs> Wolverine. That guy <laughs> is handsome. Yeah. He's rich. Mm. He's successful. I am the opposite of all three of those things. Okay. So really, I am kind of scary. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, anyway, we've got... Uh, we actually, you know, uh, it was some weeks ago I remember saying that I didn't think we might get enough Halloween horror slasher monster ghost-themed stuff to be able to justify a show, but we do. Yeah. We got it. It, yeah. all, it all came in. We have a few things we covered in recent weeks, which we're going to cover again. Just to put it on your radar, go out, grab some of these things, put them on during the party, watch them with your loved ones, or watch them alone and freak yourself out. There's a lot of, a lot of scary stuff this week. Kind of crazy... How much uh, actually came down the pike at the end, but uh, there it is. There it is. Uh, and you know, uh, Mark, they yes, don't sir. really they don't really celebrate Halloween in France. So you know what's you're... funny is that they're actually starting to. Are they now? Here's the thing. Yeah. When I went to Paris initially, I landed on Halloween, October thirty. Oh, that's 30th, right. I remember 31st, that. October 31st, 2017. Yeah. And that was Halloween night, and my girlfriend's uh, has a young daughter, and she had a costume. Uh-huh. And she went up up and down the street to different houses, and there were a smattering of kids who did this who were also in costume, but it was not like mm. a robust they they don't have a robust Halloween tradition there, but it's starting to it's starting to lock in All but, right. but, but it has just by the very nature of it to be this imported or exported uh, thing right I mean there's nothing that they can pin it to like I mean you know we pin it to I suppose some sort of you know pagan, pagan something or other that or the other thing they're just making crap up or doing it because we do it let me tell you something you know what you know do you realize what they have in, 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 in Paris now they have Black Friday sales the day after American Thanksgiving they have mm. Black Friday sales you will walk down the street in Paris and you will see painted on the windows of all the shops Black Friday sale. Yeah, the the power of American marketing of Western marketing is just amazing. Which is weird because the, the French are so protective of their language. I mean, there is a there there is a committee, a group, a, a government group, and all they care about is protecting the French language. Yep, that's it. And like, yet, l'Académie Française. And yet, they still have Black Friday. Not noir. Sales. What's the French word for Friday? Noir. Vendredi. Oh, 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 vendredi. It's Friday. Did they call them that? Noir vendredi? No, no, no. no Black no, no, Friday. No, they call it Black Friday. No. <laughs> okay, that's just, yeah. Yeah. Vendredi noir. No. America wins. America wins. And that was the weirdest thing when living there was finding out that people actually use the word weekend. Yeah, oh, le, le weekend. Le weekend. Like, wait a minute. I'm sorry, but there's nothing about... They got, there's no word, French word for weekend, so they just call it le weekend, which is we can thank Godard. The way they are about language, I'm a little surprised they just didn't decide to make one up. Yeah, they should have. Yeah, you know, because they have one for email now. Courriel. Because courrier, courrier. courrier is is regular mail, Mm -hmm. and courriel, like E-L for electron, it's like courrier electronique, courriel. And and, and everybody's all cool with that. Yeah, that's good. Because they don't have to say le email. Makes sense to me. Yeah, it does to me, too. Anyway, all right, so uh, I'm going to mention just a couple of, we only have two foreign language horror uh, titles this week, both worth mentioning. Uh, and the uh, the one that is probably most worth mentioning is called Corpse Prison Part One, and you know isn't that funny? You'd think with a title like Corpse Prison, this is not a Halloween title. You think, well, that sounds like you know a Christmas title, but no, no, you you would be wrong. Uh, and this is a uh, this is Japanese. The other one is Korean. Japanese and the Koreans make absolutely the most horrific stuff. Well, I guess Thailand makes some pretty gnarly uh, horror films as well, but. As far as Asian industries are concerned, Japan and Thailand uh, and uh, Korea are the ones that have really, really made a uh, made a go of it. Um, 
the corpse prison is just relentlessly bloody and horrific. And uh, it's more than a little scary, creepy. It's, uh, I guess the, it, I guess the best analogy is it's a little bit like a mystical Japanese version of The Hills Have Eyes. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a little bit like that, except it's it's scarier. Actually, it's a lot scarier. Uh, the whole you know isolated community, mountain village where eerie things going on you know you get a little bit of that hills have eyes a little bit of that in the wicker man it's it's all that kind of stuff going on and uh it is oh boy it's a it's a weird place and uh it's it's creepy so anyway this is a, apparently based on a manga originally and they did quite a good job of it it's uh it's it it hits that exploitation nerve but it doesn't uh it doesn't go overboard the other one is uh gunjam haunted asylum and this one is probably a better crossover thing. So the idea here is that you've got these guys who do this uh, web show, which is like a horror web show. And they've decided to really do a special show by visiting this abandoned asylum and do their show from the abandoned asylum. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We're going to set up a few things inside the place. And, uh, and you know, just for the, for the viewers, we'll really uh, kick our viewership up. Of course, little do they realize, oh, no. It's really haunted, and crap starts happening, and next thing you know, it all goes south really fast. And uh, there it is. Uh, it's actually a, it's a lot of fun. It's really quite smart and well put together. Gunjam, Haunted Asylum. Oh, and, boy. All right. And then, uh, what? let's see. Well, let, we, met, we covered some stuff in recent weeks. Which we should cover again. Ah, uh, the uh, Halloween, the Halloween yeah. movies. Let me grab. Well, yeah, the the, the new Halloween. The new Halloween movie, is out. Uh, open January, which is good, by the way. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Picks up that Halloween, the, the yeah. new Halloween, uh, right where this Halloween uh, lets off. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because Halloween two also picked up where Halloween one left off, <laughs> and, and and I rather enjoyed Halloween two, and then you have all six, seven other Halloweens uh, that are I don't know whatever uh, with those Halloweens, you know. But but when you toss all of those out, uh, these three Halloweens to me are pretty damn good. Somebody did an online map. Now it makes sense. I was wondering. I was like, I don't understand this. There, someone did a little online map that shows you the Halloween multiverse, mm. how everything connects, and what. And apparently, you know, because Halloween two goes here, and then this. Halloween goes here, and they have all these alternate timelines. Yeah, there's now. one that Michael Myers is not even in. That's his name, right? Halloween three. Yeah, he's yeah. not even in the movie. Season of the Witch. Yeah, that has yeah, nothing with, to do with the little with the kid. No, it's, yeah. it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but hey, Halloween. John Carpenter's Halloween, for which he did the score. Yes, that's right. As he did all his stuff. Uh, as, as he did uh, quite often. Um, I, I enjoyed this movie. This movie, along with the original Friday the Thirteenth, and uh, what is that was it? during that whole eighties yeah. uh, horror run. Uh, yeah. the, the one with Freddy Krueger. What was that? Oh, uh, uh, yeah, Nightmare yeah. Nightmare, the original that Johnny Depp's in that movie, you know, and launched some careers, and uh, you know, definitely made, um, you know, made some made some money for a lot of people. John, Jamie Lee Curtis, she had made a movie before this, though. Hasn't she made that movie with Stacey Keach down, and where they're in the tr almost like Duel or something like that? Oh, or maybe uh, that was right after the original Halloween. Yeah. I do not know. Yeah, it was, in, it, you know, interesting thing. Anyway, this is pretty neat. Um, all kinds of audio commentaries with Carpenter and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and uh, featurettes, two, three featurettes, trailers from the back of the day. A lot of fun. Halloween. Uh, oh, and then, uh, yes, that's right, Tales from the Hood 2. Yeah, here's the thing about Tales from the Hood 2. Tales from the Hood 2 is terrible. 
<laughs> but it does make you remember Tales from the Hood, which was actually pretty yeah. cool. Uh, yeah. and, and you go back and check that out. Uh, uh, th- nevertheless, this is okay. Also written and directed by Rusty Cundiff yeah. and Darren Scott. I knew these guys from way back in the day. Uh, and you know what? What the heck? Uh, if, you, if you made a hit, go ahead and, and revive it and do and, it again. And, I j- and we just found out the other day that a friend of ours, mm. uh, his niece... Is in the first scene. Oh, it's really? It's her first big acting bit. <laughs> we're, we're, and she's so sweet, and we're so happy for her. So I don't uh, care that it's bad. I'm just glad she got some work. And, uh, in, 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 in by bad, I simply mean it's not a very good movie. It doesn't yeah. mean it's not a movie that's, that's a lot of fun <laughs> uh, that you can watch. But you know, don't you, you don't pretend like you're watching a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> you're just watching a bad movie that's set in the hood. Yeah. And uh, Mark, did we throw some things your way? Yes, you did. You know, yes, Wade. We Sam trying Raimi. to include you. Trying to include you here. Sam Raimi has been uh, trading off the Evil Dead for just 175 years. It's just, come on, man. But uh, finally, on 4K Ultra HD, we have the original Evil Dead. And the thing is, did you really need a 4K transfer for a film that cost $350,000 and was shot in the backwoods of Tennessee? Now you're going to be able to see where all the seams and, <laughs> and everything that, sticks together. because That's terrible. It, it, it's like when you got your first 4K TV and you watched local news. Mm-hmm. And you realize how ugly that hot anchor you thought. That, that, yeah. that anchor you thought was so hot, that weather girl. Turns yeah. out in 4K, mm. she's ugly. <gasps> anyway, I'm being Of course, a jerk. everybody is. I'm being a jerk. Um, oh, not me. I'm handsome all the time. Um, anyway, the original Evil Dead is great, obviously. It's a cult classic, and it launched Sam Raimi. Now, Raimi, of course, has not done a good film since... I mean, I, I, a simple I, plan, a simple plan. I loved a simple plan, but... That is a good film. He, I think, Dragged Me to Hell, which is probably maybe oh, 10 years yeah, ago. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that, but that was okay. Which I liked. I, I liked that a lot. That was probably his last good film, but uh, it turns out that now we're all trading it on Evil Dead on TV. Yeah. Because also on Blu-ray is Ash versus Evil Dead. This is Bruce Campbell, uh, who, by the way, is not aged at well, all. If, it, it's it's kind of funny what goes on in that series, because when we first meet Ash again, you know, years later, 30 years since the events of Evil Dead, and I suppose Army of Darkness, although they sort of ignore that, um, he's looking kind of bad. Uh, you know, he's looking rough. Uh, with the one hand and the belly and the hairline and all that kind of stuff. And, but, you know, he's being called back to fight the evil dead. I was kind of a little pissy about that. Because, hey, hey, what are you doing to my Bruce Campbell here? But over the course of that season, he sort of pulls himself together, and the belly goes away, and he puts a little dye in, and he gets, a, he gets that ash back, and thus you get the one that's on that cover right Interesting. now. Interesting. Uh, and I was like, good, good. They redeem, they redeem my guy, you know, because that was my guy, Bruce Campbell. <laughs> Now, if you're doing that, if you're starting the season fat and mm. then getting thin, do you shoot in order or out of order? <laughs> is it easier for the yeah. actor to start fat and lose weight by the final, uh, or is it easier for him to start thin and then start eating during the course of the season <laughs> and then gains weight? And then shoot the opening scenes. Uh, I, I saw him at something. Uh, and, you know, he looked great. So I'm thinking he did it the, 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 the first way around. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, and uh, well, let's see. Oh, the let's Twilight movies. Let's oh do that, because i got, I got a thing to follow up on. Ten, year, ten years worth of Twilight movies. The original tri- Twilight movie was ten years ago. This one is uh, ten years worth of Twilight films. Includes uh, the original Twilight film and a new tour. Uh, this is an extended. Yeah, that's a 4K. Thing. Yeah, this is an extended cut. By the way, <laughs> this movie was long as hell in the first place, <laughs> and they've added more to it. It's funny what what, what that series became, because the original Twilight was directed by Catherine Hardwick, yeah. and it was like okay, it wasn't. Yeah. That, but then, 17 sequels later, it's this huge budget thing with yeah. these big directors and all the special effects. Yeah, it, it had rather modest beginnings. We yes. seem to forget, yeah. as, as opposed to say the way the, the very first Harry Potter film was a big old Christopher Columbus film. Yeah, and they yeah. and they and they just got bigger from being big. But they got darker. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, well, everybody, everybody grew up, you know, yeah. and, uh, and got horny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we got every one of these freaking films here. So you got Twilight. You got Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 1, Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 2. You got uh, Twilight, a New Moon Extended Edition, of course, and Twilight Eclipse. All extended editions, all packed full of every possible thing you can think of. Look, vampires and werewolves, uh, 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 teenage love, they get married. They, yeah, what are you going to do? It's like friends, only they're vampires and werewolves. <laughs> the, thing, the thing is, it should be pointed out. Um, these are all, except for the original Twilight, which is on 4K, all the other stuff that's out in these special editions, they're only Blu-ray DVD combo sets. If you want to see them on 4K, it's only on digital, only mm. on download. Mm. 4K does not exist for the rest of the films on disc. So that's a bit unfortunate. And I'm, I'm just going to say, you don't want to see these, these movies in 4K. All of the digital crap in yeah. these movies looks awful in 4K. Uh, that, th those digital werewolves, yeah. awful. They, you know what they look like? Digital Jump. werewolves. <laughs> That's what they look like. So, you know, whatever. Well, here's, here's something else that should not necessarily be on 4K. Uh, Constantine, City of Demons, the movie. So Constantine, which was a not very good movie with Keanu Reeves based on the graphic novel, uh, has nonetheless maintained a certain level of popularity in the culture, and we now have a CGI animated Constantine sequel called City of Demons, the movie. Uh, is there a Constantine City of Demons the series? No. Then why would we... Anyway, never mind. Uh, this is on 4K Blu-ray and uh, also has uh, uh, Movies Anywhere on it as a uh, digital copy or uh, digital uh, code. And uh, you know what? It's just more of the same. Uh, it, I don't really, I get, I don't get this world like there's, you know, he's part of two worlds. He's in this world, but he's partly in the world of demons. Etc. and so forth, and uh, you know that somehow the, the netherworld is always intruding, and I don't know. It's it's it, this is not very well put together. It feels like uh, it was probably a rejected Doctor Strange script. Is that the same guy from the series, from the television series? No, no. The, he, this is voiced by, um, uh, let's see, uh, Matt Ryan okay. does the voice of John Constantine. Different guy, because you know they had that series for a minute, and I just noticed that that guy, yeah. who was in the series, the, you know, the live action television series, yeah. is now going to be on Green Arrow. They because oh, you know they reconfigured yeah, yeah, the cast yeah. of Green Arrow, yeah. and now Constantine, but it's the same guy from the Constantine series that's that got canceled. So you know, what are you gonna do? Well, that's interesting. Uh, well, anyway, this the basic idea is here about uh, you know the baddie here, the big bad is a uh, is an old Aztec god with a name that you can't pronounce, and uh, it just gets very very silly. It's really an excuse just for a lot of CGI. However, for Halloween, we can be very forgiving. Yeah, yeah. What are you gonna do? Uh, can't have Halloween without uh, zombies. Nope. And you can't have zombies without The Walking Dead. Uh, the Walking Dead, the complete eighth season uh, here. Uh, I, to be honest with you, I have no idea who's still alive. I bailed on this so long ago. Doesn't it seem like this thing's been on forever and it's sort of not? It's yeah. I don't know that it's running on fumes, but it's like and, and not to mention the spinoffs. This guy, you know, there's what two oh, yeah, spin uh, at least uh, one spinoff. Fear the Walking Dead. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is I don't quite get how that works. I mean. But I guess well, I think, be... well, that happens before oh. the zombies take over the world. Okay, that's what's going on there. Anyway, I just I, you know, at this point, I'm not sure. I'm looking at the box here, and I recognize a few of these people, so some of them made it. Uh, but I don't know. It don't look like it's going well. Special features, Carl Grimes, A Living Legacy, uh, In Memoriam, The Price of War, and a whole bunch of audio commentaries, the complete eighth season of The Walking Dead from AMC. So, from the producers of the Twilight Saga comes down a dark hall. In a world. With, in a world. With Uma Thurman and Anna-Sophia <laughs> Robb. I really, of course, I love, we all love Uma Thurman. Does anyone not love Uma Thurman? No, I love Uma Thurman. Uh, and I love Anna-Sophia Robb. I think she's terrific. She's, she's been uh, kind of coming on since she was a child actress, and uh, she's great. 
Here she plays a delinquent girl who gets sent to this boarding school where Uma Thurman is the headmistress. And Uma is all kind of creepy and, uh, and, and weird and freaky. And the weirdest thing about the boarding school is there are only four other girls there. So there's only there, 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 there. It's like, well, why? What, what kind of boarding school? Only yeah. has, well, yeah. uh, of course, the boarding school has all kinds of secrets. Yeah, it eats it eats boarding school <laughs> girls apparently. <laughs> it's it's, uh, you know, the it, it. You should have known already that it's a problem when the uh, when the the boarding school is called Blackwood Boarding School. <laughs> Come on, uh, Blackwood. That's where, where, where you want to send the kids. Where are you going to boarding school? <laughs> Blackwood. That's not, weird. If you really, That's if you, crazy. if you want to hide the fact that you are like this occultish, uh, you know, haunted, uh, d- demonically possessed boarding school, you would call it like Happy Acres. Yes. Then no one pays attention to you yeah. when you when you're at Blackwood. Everyone knows. <laughs> no, we might as well just call it, it Child Sacrifice Boarding School. <laughs> um, Unfriended the Dark Web. Unfriended Dark Web from the producers of uh, Unfriended. Uh, and, and Happy Death Day, The Purge, and The Other Purge, and Another Purge. And you know, I, think they, I think we purged a couple of weeks ago, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so, you know, th- that's the kind of movies these guys make. This one is about some 20-somethings uh, that find some files on their computer. The files connect them down to this thing called the dark web. I'm re- not really sure what the dark web is. I mean, is it a place... Or, or is it a bunch of people who, I don't know what it, you know, but it's the dark web. Yeah. Uh, and the dark web doesn't, doesn't want to be found, so they, it starts coming after them. Isn't, and it's it, the whole thing. isn't the dark web where, like, Sean Hannity thinks that uh, 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 liberals are conspiring to d- destroy Donald Trump or something? That's where, that's where he always Barack, talks about the dark web. It's where Barack Obama and Michelle Obama eat babies. <laughs> everybody, everybody knows is that. that. Hillary, uh, Hillary runs her child porn. Or Didn't you that? used to hang out on the, on the Hannity page? Isn't that the, the thing you used to do? Well, you know, Fox Nation. That was the dark web. Fox, uh, Fox when you Nation. Hung out there. I have never. I, I I haven't done this in years, but I used to go to Fox Nation. It was literally the dregs of the most disgusting, <laughs> horrible, racist, anti-Semitic, misogynistic, inbred trolls you've ever met in your life. They're un- the horrible, horrible, dark, dirty, disgusting dregs of humanity would would comment there. Now, this is like maybe 10 years ago. I have no idea what it's like now. I'm sure it's, it's worse. <laughs> worse. I'm sure it's cleaned up a lot. <laughs> that's, by the way, that's the tagline for the movie. Um, uh, bonus features here. <laughs> interesting thing. Yes. Only interesting thing about this movie. Three alternate endings. Wow, there we go. Yeah, you know. Choose, choose one. Yeah, that's called, that's called lousy writing, people. Yeah. <laughs> when you have three alternate endings, it means somebody can't make a decision. So uh, I'm going to talk about Feral, and then Mark and I are going to have an argument. Um, Feral is a, basically a Friday the 13th slash Halloween slash camping kids in the woods type uh, slasher thriller, but with a viral zombie am, uh, angle to it. So the idea here is that uh, you got these six kids who are taking a camping trip, and next thing you know, the the rabid virus is infecting them, and, the, and, the, and it's going to turn them into each person into a zombie unless you you kill them. So it puts you into this weird thing where, oh my gosh, my friend is turning into a zombie. Do I run or do I, you know, <laughs> chop her head off? What do I do? You and, chop her head off and run, but yeah. you never. I'm, just, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. It's okay. So anyway, it's it's perfectly fine. It doesn't do anything. You know, there's nothing uh, special to this necessarily. This is an IFC Midnight film uh, released through uh, Scream Factory, uh, division of Shout Factory. But uh, you know what? It's perfectly competent. It's well made. It's just uh, you know we've we've been there, done that. But anyway, Feral 
is the uh, is the title, and uh, it, it works if you're looking for something to scratch the Halloween itch. It's perfectly. Uh, uh, horror films are very often just solid calling card films for you know, uh, you, you call them young directors if yeah. you want to, you know, early directors. Something you make a horror movie, even if you screw it up, you know, if it, 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 you know, it's sure. it's, it's not it's not a, a marker of any great failure or anything like that. Yeah. So, Mark, um, the movie Mandy, which I had to review for the radio and which I absolutely crucified, even though Christy Lemire, who was on the radio with me that time, thought it was really cool because she said, if you want to see a movie with a naked Nick Cage sitting on the toilet and crying, this is the movie for you. And it was funny when she said it on the radio, uh, I, I, uh, but I still think uh, you people are out of your mind. Why do you like Mandy? Wait, let me tell you something. Soapbox. Let me tell you something. Go for pa- it. Panos Cosmatos. Panos Cosmatos. Son of George P. Cosmatos, yeah. who, of course, directed such outstanding films. Well, I, I should say, he, he George Cosmatos did... Uh, Tombstone. Tombstone. Yeah. Tombstone, yeah. But he also did that... Uh, what was that That abyss knockoff that came out about the same time, about the monster Le- on the ocean floor? Leviathan. 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 Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. He also did a bunch of crap like that. So his, his son is a lunatic. Uh, who made one film previously. Oh, Beyond the Black Rainbow. Beyond the Black Rainbow, Rainbow. which I didn't like. That was crazy, man. Well, Beyond the Black Rainbow... How is this any different? ...is a film that I I felt like he... There's something about Panos where he approaches the film with such visual and oral conviction. (laughs) This guy, it is like listening to a double album... (laughs) With the headphones on and smoking pot. That's what you're doing when you watch his films. Uh, because it is done with such all-encompassing conviction that it's not really a storytelling and character experience. It's this all-encompassing, visual, oral, okay. just like I, descent I would, into hell is it, what it is. Well, he's, it's in some ways, uh, shades of um, Jodorowsky. Uh, well, Ken Russell, look, look. When you watch Altered oh, States, for sure. when you watch Altered States, which I did about a, a month ago, by the way, and, and right, and William Hurt's in the thing, and he turns into a, a, a he turns into a caveman or something. <laughs> yeah, you're like that's so. Re-. Imagine that, but with 21st century technology, okay. in terms of visuals me, and in terms of music and effects. Let me, <laughs> let me, let me, let me set the stage for this. So Nick Cage, I love this movie. It's Nick, fun. Nick, Nick Cage goes like to 11 on the Nick Cage scale. See, I don't know though. I don't know. Oh, I don't know, yeah, man, yeah. because the thing is, is that he goes. No, here's the thing: his per, his performance is consistent with the movie he's in versus other Nick Cage films, where his performance is way outside mm-hmm. what the movie really called for. You know, th- th- this is the performance this movie called for. Nick okay? Cage goes in, to eleven in a movie that goes to eleven. There's it, my th- pull th- quote. That's fine. That's okay. But <laughs> when he was doing like Port of Call, the 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 lieutenant, and he's just. Snorting cocaine and screaming at the top of his lungs, you're like, "Where are you going, man?" Okay, so. as opposed to because this, um, uh, kiss, kiss of the vampire, yeah, vampire's yeah, kiss, right, vampire's kiss. kiss, vampire's kiss. That was another one where he's at eleven, but that movie is around a fifteen. <laughs> Uh, uh, and you, I mean, but, you know, but Nick, but you, but you know, it, it, it somehow 25 years ago, it all made sense. So here's the deal with Mandy. Mandy stars Nick as a presumably normal guy who, with his wife, they move to the Northwest. I guess, what is it, Oregon or Washington or something? Uh, not realizing that they have moved right smack into the middle of the freakiest event ever, which is there's this bizarre, like, death cult that is being run by (laughs) cult leader Linus Roach. Linus Roach, your normal, very lovable British subdued actor, is playing this freaky Manson-like cult leader. And and they, they are truly the most evil people imaginable. But that's not all. Oh, no, no. It's not just that there's a cult. There's also... 
a, a biker gang of orcs who've used <laughs> it's like just a bad LSD or something they like that. They had like a really terrible oh. trip on on a bad batch of LSD and they turned into these crusty faced road warrior type people. orcs. Yeah. And they're somehow involved in this as well. And next thing you know, uh, they, they've killed Nick, Nick Cage's wife. They've lit her on fire. And then Linus Roach is standing there fully naked, exposing his incredibly small British <laughs> manhood, which is an embarrassment. I'm like, oh, thank you. But he you. was brave to do it. He was, I guess, I guess. Everyone was brave to be in this movie. And then at some point, this film just goes off the rails. Everything's red and murderous and freaky and bloody. And there are chainsaws that are like 18 feet long. <laughs> It's obnoxious. He takes out a chainsaw that's like freakishly long. <laughs> it's absurd. But, but the thing is that everybody knows it's absurd. It's not like Panos is like, well, this is realistic. It's of a piece with the rest of the film. Yeah. Look, Wade, you've never smoked pot, have you? No. There there's you a go. moment in As this film. As I'm at right now, which is really funny. <laughs> there's a moment in this film where Nick is going to, he, now he's gone, he's going to go nuts. And he goes to see a friend of his who lives in a trailer <laughs> Bill Duke. to get to get like weaponry from him, and that friend is played by Bill Duke. And in this this scene, he's sitting there and he wants to get his stuff. And and Bill Duke is sitting there, and Bill Duke is doing what Bill Duke does so yeah. well. Bill Duke gravitas. Like if Nick goes to eleven, Bill Duke takes it down to negative thirty. <laughs> Bill Duke is at negative thirty. Everything is really low key, man. It's very low down. And then Nick starts losing his mind. They were like bikers, man, and they burn her alive, and everything was going apocalyptic. And Nick is freaking out. And there's a close up of Bill Duke. And if you're reading through Bill Duke's eyes, Bill Duke is thinking. What in God's name is going on? And what have I gotten myself into? I don't understand what's happening. Am I supposed uh, to be acting natural? What am I doing? I don't understand. Nick just goes completely off the reservation, and poor Bill Duke is really trying to work. And I, I, I think somebody informed Bill Duke he was in a normal movie, and he just got lost here for that moment. And uh, I, I don't know if everybody, if everybody else had been at Bill Duke's level, if everybody else were down here, I might have enjoyed this movie. But everybody else is like crazy, man. It's red. I, but, but, yeah, I, how do we know that? How do we know Bill didn't? I, 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 he might have just made a choice. Yeah, Bill, might have, have Bill might have Bill might have said, but you know Panos what? Panos is a guy. You go that way, I'm going this way. But Panos is a guy, and you can tell he's a guy who is going to get from you, whether you're the composer, you're the you're the star, you're the production designer. He's going to get exactly what he wants because you know that this this is proof that the auteur theory exists. <laughs> this is a film that can only be made by this guy. Yeah. So you know that if Bill Duke was like, I want to do it this way, Panos, Panos like, no, you're not. You're doing it this way because he's got the film in his head. You know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you look, you got to appreciate the fact that he got, he, you know, there it is. I mean, literally, this thing is a, I, this is me. I am here. This is my effing film. Mm. And it is a really, I, I thought it was, it was a real experience. And let me tell you something. I watched this thing on a laptop, okay, and I was still freaked out. Imagine seeing this like at the Arc Light yeah. or in some huge theater. Oh, you, you'd, dear. you'd like melt. Oh, dear. Your brain would melt. <laughs> yeah. Two films, Beyond the Black Rainbow and this. All right, Patient Zero, uh, mm. now that we've <laughs> plumbed that one, Patient Zero. <laughs> Best thing about Patient Zero is uh, Stanley Tucci, who's just always good in everything, even if it's a small part. The, uh, you know, uh, Patient Zero, Matt Smith is fine in this, too. He's the, he's the more significant character. Matt Smith. Doctor uh, Who. Yes, uh, a -A Doctor, Doctor Who. Matt, and and uh, The Crown. Yeah. The Crown. Matt Smith, terrific. Uh, so Patient Zero, if you know, obviously, if you've seen a zombie movie, you understand Patient Zero is the first one, the one we have to find, the source. Uh, anytime you get into zombie virus stuff, it's always patient zero. 
uh, as opposed to zom- actual zombies who are like raise the dead zombies. Yeah. Patient Zero is a viral zombie concept. So anyway, here uh, we're you know the world is is overtaken by the virus and the whole thing. And um, Matt Smith is the guy who uh, it, and now people are actually like zombies are begetting zombies and the and the virus <laughs> is mutating. Anyway, zombies are doing it. Yeah, apparently. Oh, that's so, disturbing. Uh, so uh, I'm swiping right on zombies now, baby. <laughs> Give me Matt some zombie Smith. action. So Matt Smith, oh. Matt Smith is the guy who is able to. He's sort of like the the half breed who can communicate with people who are infected, and they can try to work their way back to finding patient zero. Anyway, it's not terrible. It's not great. It's perfectly fine. Uh, it's well done. Good production value, and uh, it's good cast. I mean, what do you know? You got Natalie, Matt, you, Natalie Dormer. Natalie Dormer's in this as well, who's really terrific. Uh, Stanley Tucci, Matt Smith. It's uh, you know, it's on Blu-ray, and it, this is probably one of your better Halloween options. I would say it's more intelligent than most anything else we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. If you're not going to go with the classics anyway, no, the, that's the, for sure. the classics of, of Universal. Yeah, uh, you know. All right, and then uh, let's see. We got a bunch of old other classic stuff here. Uh, I'm going to start. You know what? Here, here's what I'm going to start with. I'm going to start with uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers because we have an olive signature release now of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the original Don Siegel film with Kevin McCarthy. And uh, I think in many respects this is still the best, even though I love... I truly love the 1970. Love, I do love that Philip yeah. Kaufman film from 1978, Donald Sutherland. Yes, I do. But uh, Jeff boy, Goldblum. Olive, uh, Olive really pulled out all the stops. There are just a, a load of extras on this thing, and uh, it really takes you all the way back to the making of it and the context of it. It's just, uh, it, it's it's pretty pretty terrific set of extras. Uh, the movie was made in 1956. It's of course a Cold War allegory. Uh, during the Red Scare. That's the whole essence of it. But it's still a really great Halloween movie, and it's got that just super cool, eerie, creepy vibe to it uh, that only exploitation films in the 50s had. And uh, Olive has done a really lovely job with this with a slipcover and uh, terrific Blu-ray transfer. It's really, really good. So Olive Signature's release of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the original, the one and only, which blows by in 80 minutes. It's unreal how fast this movie moves by today's standards. It really does. Uh, House on the Hill. the ni- classic. Yeah, well, this is the 1995, uh, oh. 1999 version. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, Jeffrey Rush and all that, which is not exactly a classic. But I remember I actually covered this movie, did the junket yeah. for it and all that the, that stuff, uh, the, back when Jeffrey Rush uh, would appear in movies like uh, this. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, and, and I remember rather enjoying it, this guy, he builds uh, uh, roller coasters. And uh, yeah. they have the whole house and all that kind of stuff it, it, it kind of w- walks along the beats of the original uh, 1959 cult classic with that because he's kind of doing that vincent price thing jeffrey russ he's got the little skinny mustache and the ascot and all that business so it, it's like they know that they're doing house on haunted hill they're simply adding some fancy technology of the you know of the moment uh and uh but they're not they didn't try to make a different movie which is the thing that i appreciated about it um so you know this frankly would be a perfectly lovely little double bill with the original 1959 vincent price version of uh, House on Haunted Hill, uh, this one's from 1999, 2K scan with all kinds of really great stuff uh, in terms of uh, special features, interviews with the director and, uh, and, uh, and uh, William Malone, the composer, a featurette, some behind-the-scenes FX type stuff. Fun movie, House on Haunted Hill, collector's edition. Cool. Now, here's a really interesting one, The Ghost of Sierra de Cobra. Uh, that's C-O-B-R-E, Cobra, like Cobre. Uh, the Ghost of Sierra de Cobra. Uh, with Martin Landau and Diane Baker. Here's the interesting story about this movie. This, was, uh, this is from 1964. This was originally going to be a TV pilot. 
Um, Joseph Stefano was a producer of The Outer Limits and wanted this to be a pilot. It was going to be directed by Robert Stevens, who had done a lot of Alfred Hitchcock Presents and Twilight Zones things. And Stevens got sick, and then Stefano stepped in and uh, before they knew, they kind of they wound up with something that wasn't even a TV pilot. It was a full blown movie, and Martin Lando, of course, just rises to the occasion. Yeah, and it's really, really, really cool. So um, here's here's what's uh, here's the essence of it. You've got a, um, a a woman who is oh gosh, how do I how do I even describe this without giving anything away? Um, let's just say there's a there's a there's a phone. That rings from beyond. Gosh, that sounds so stupid. <laughs> uh, okay, Martin Landau is a—he's kind of like a, like the uh, the characters played by uh, what's his name and in, uh, in, in the uh, the Conjuring movies. Oh, uh, um, uh, who, yeah, who, the, the paranormal, yeah, the, like a paranormal detectives, you know, ghost hunters. Those whatever. guys who come back, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. What's, your, what's your name and her husband in, the, yeah, exactly. in those movies? Yeah. So that's sort of what what Martin Landau is in this, and he has to uh, he has to solve the issue of why the beyond seems to be phoning. Anyway, uh, William Fraker shot this along with Conrad Hall, believe it or not, because you know you had the two crew thing. I mean, it's two of the greatest cinematographers of all time, giving you like killer black and white cinematography. And uh, of course, Judith Anderson is in this, who who also has a uh, little pedigree on Star Trek. For those who uh, <coughs> who remember her uh, her appearance as a uh, a a Vulcan uh, kind of Vulcan, what would we call a Vulcan senior Vulcan yeah. uh, elder. Anyway, uh, so yeah, Joseph Stefano and Robert Stevens uh, and the very unusual history of the ghost of Sierra de Cobra. Uh, so it's worth checking out from 1964 on Blu-ray. Mm, going way back to the day um, uh, from William Castle. This is a, this is a double, double feature here. You got Straight Jacket and Berserk. Uh, uh, both Joan Crawford, uh, neat movies. The uh, Straight Jacket in particular is pretty good. It's about this woman who's been away in this sort of like in the you know nut house, the asylum anyway, uh, for twenty plus years. She comes back home to live with her daughter, and of course everyone is somewhat suspicious about her behavior. And uh, you know she does have that issue with the axe, you know the axe, and then the berserk is berserk. It's also pretty damn good. Um, uh, you, you know, for a double bill, this is a whole lot of fun. Uh, Berserk, d- directed by Jim Connolly, and you know, this was this is Joan Crawford when she's older, uh, and you know, the sort of glamorous roles have gone gone away. Uh, and I think that it was brave of her to play these roles. I agree. Uh, to to simply in, embrace the the, the moment own that it. she was in her life, own it, and then max it out. Shelley Winters did that too. So Shelley did it Shelley, too. Shelley played a uh, a satanic sorority mom at least seven or eight times. Yeah, yeah. You know, and when Shelley could put on a few pounds and got big, yeah. then Shelley would just play the big gal. <laughs> because you know what? Why not? Why the hell not? So these are kind of neat. The first uh, uh, um, Straight Jacket, of course, is directed by uh, William Castle. Uh, that's only 93 minutes long, uh, and, and the other one's pretty short, too. I wish, I, I wish they had more by way of special features on these, but not so much. So we, uh, we got us some trauma films here. Yeah, and, uh, uh, trauma, uh, I'll trauma. tell you, you got a great trio of traumas. So they, <laughs> I almost don't even want to tell you what they're about because the, the title, well, at least with one of them, the title's perfect. Uh, the, there's one on Blu-ray, and the other two are on DVD. Uh, and uh, The Nobodies... Is the uh, is the first one that's on uh, on DVD in glorious standard definition retrovision. I love that in glorious standard definition retrovision. That's their way of saying <laughs> we're cheap and we're gonna own it. Uh, the, oh. the the tagline here is classic Lloyd Kaufman. 
life imitates art. <gasps> art imitates trash. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. It doesn't mean anything. It means absolutely nothing. Now, it's hard to know when Lloyd Kaufman is, is pulling your leg or not, but the idea here presumably is that this is a documentary uh, about a, uh, a, 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 an amateur filmmaker from 1993 who made a film on VHS with next to no money from, called Pumpkin for only like five or $600. And uh, the, this winds up having this whole bizarre satanic backstory to it. Uh, and this is presumably uh, the, the original movie Pumpkin tied in with the with a documentary about uh, something that happened relative to Pumpkin that was very dark and disturbing. Um, there's, this is clearly some, whether it's a mock documentary, whether it's a faux documentary, which is a little different from a mock documentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, may, look, bottom line is, it's just, this is just Lloyd Kaufman and his people going crazy and, and spinning a yarn, the likes of which is, uh, is, is unique and only could have been done by trauma. Um, you have to pay attention to realize how funny it can be. The other two, uh, one is called Slimed, and uh, this, this has an even better tagline. Action, horror, exploding children. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. Um, so this is, a, uh, oh, th- this is outrageously funny and just completely ridiculous. Uh, the acting is totally insane. It, uh, look, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's like the, it's like, I don't know, Yogi Bear with, uh, with bad animatronics and lots of slime and bad effects and overacting. And, uh, I don't know. It's funny. It's crazy funny. My favorite though is Moonshine Meat Market Mayhem. The alliteration alone is terrific. Uh, the, uh, the whole, this is just completely unhinged trauma, madness and craziness. Uh, Lloyd Kaufman does an introduction on here. It's just it's through the roof stupid. Uh, the um, the idea is that the um, uh, there was a this is like a post apocalyptic uh, uh, hell and uh, the the earth is back into kind of road warrior or at least low budget road warrior time and uh, so now you uh, wind up with uh, basically moonshine meat market mayhem. Uh, in the aftermath of the uh, post-apocalyptic uh, road warrior, uh, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> it's, it's trauma. You're, you're not watching it for the plots. Mm, trick or treat. This is a neat little movie from 2007. I remember this is perfect for Halloween. This, perfect yeah, for this Halloween. is great. I have a crush on Le- Leslie Bibb and Anna Paquin. Leslie Bibb knows. Anna Paquin does not. Um, Brian Cox in the film as well. Neat little thing. It's, it's uh, five stories. Uh, each of them are pretty good. Some of them are better than the others. Uh, but you follow along uh, uh, these stories, and uh, you know you, you, you have these neat little moments, and then they all tie together neatly at the end, and gives you and gives you a little poke. Cause what, what, um, what was it? Tales from the Crypt. Remember the the old Tales from the Crypt? Oh yeah. Sure. It's kind of shaped like that, only with better acting and better special effects. Um, so, and plus, this has all kinds of neat, neat, neat special features, and I mean, really, really way too many d- additional scenes, deleted scenes, uh, all kinds of stuff there. So, check it out. Uh, Trick or treat. Five stories about a modern Halloween. Mark, why don't you tell us about the swarm? Wait, let me tell you something. The swarm <laughs> has a special place in my heart because uh, the swarm, which was directed by Irwin Allen. Now, Irwin Allen, of course, is um, is known with the master yeah. master of disaster. Mm-hmm. Really, more as a producer than a director, you know, because he produced Poseidon sure. Adventure, he produced Towering Inferno. He didn't direct them, but he did direct some films, including the Swarm, which is a terrible film, but. 
it's close to my heart because I remember I had just moved out to L.A. from New York as a kid, and then this movie opened on my birthday. There you go. Which, when you're a kid, is like an amazing, earth-shattering coincidence of all time. Sweet. Oh, my God. This movie's opening on my birthday. It's like there's seven gods, and they all love me. <laughs> so my father got a bunch of my friends together, and we all went to, uh, I think it was the National Theater in Westwood, or might have one of the other theaters in Westwood. And we all went to go see The Swarm. That was my birthday present for my father and all, my, and all our friends. And it's got Henry Fonda and Lee Grant and Ben Johnson and Olivia de Havilland and Michael Caine, of course, Catherine Ross. And the movie's just absolutely dreadful. In fact, it kind of killed his directing career, Irwin Allen. Yeah, uh, it kind of did, actually. That's, that's sadly true, and I'd forgotten about that. You're right. Uh, Jerry Goldsmith's music, I don't remember it. But uh, anyway, the film is terrible, but if you're an Irwin Allen completist or you love those cheesy 70s disaster films, those Irwin Allen films. Irwin Allen became <clears throat> like, he, he's like, like, like Xerox and Coke. Yeah. An Irwin Allen film tells you exactly what it is. And he did that thing of where he sort of revived, I guess you might call it revived, the, the careers of, you know, fading. Charlton Heston would yeah. show up. I mean, some of those things were, you know, all-star casts. Those casts were great. I mean, like, you know, they were all like 65 at the time, but nevertheless, they had at one time in their lives been big movie stars. Didn't Helen Hayes win an Oscar for Towering Inferno? Oh, she was nominated. Did she win? I, I thought know. that was. I, I, I thought that was. I thought that was Big Girl. We were just talking about for Poseidon Adventure. No, Shelley Winters. Shelley. Shelley won. Shelley won, right? Yeah, I think she did. Okay. Yeah. But Helen Hayes, I know, is at least nominated. But anyway, yeah. the swarm is terrible, but it's got a special place in my heart. Hmm. Mm. I uh, got three double features from Epic, uh, all of which are, I mean, you know, this is some interesting stuff, to be honest. They're more interesting films than they have any business being. Um, the first one's called Imitation Girl, which is not really a Halloween film, per se, but the other two are, or the other two double features are. Uh, Imitation Girl is really an interesting uh, idea, which is not terribly well executed, but interesting enough in concept that it kind of makes up for its, uh, its, its shortcomings. The idea is you got an alien who takes the form uh, to kind of adapt to American to earthly society, takes the form of an, uh, a, a porn actress, and then you have the porn actress and the alien that's masquerading as the porn actress interfacing with each other, and and that's kind of your commentary on life. Mm. I know that sounds stupid, but it's not quite as stupid <laughs> yeah. as it sounds. And um, Lauren Ashley Carter is the actress who plays both parts and does a really good job of it. And the double feature comes with Nina Forever. That's the other film here. Um, more Halloween-y is The Monster Project, which comes on with a double feature with uh, hashtag screamers. Um, the Monster Project is uh, basically about a, uh, a low-budget film that casts some people to play monsters who turn out to actually be the monsters that they are cast. Ah, <laughs> as, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Which is kind of a, kind of a cool, cool idea, especially the, uh, the skinwalker. And then the last one is Zombiology, uh, which has a really funny tagline. Enjoy yourself tonight. Uh, <laughs> right? It's so random. Which is on here along with Vidar. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> when you, when you see what it. does it have to do with zombies? <laughs> you understand when you see it. But it's great. Oh. Zombiology. Enjoy yourself tonight. Uh, Vidar the Vampire is the other film on here. And uh, the, the, the thing behind <laughs> you'll you'll see. I, I should show you this. So the uh, zombieology is about a, um, a monster from an animated television show that actually comes into the world and begins a zombie outbreak. And, uh, and then it's how people deal with that. It sounds ridiculous, but it's actually pretty clever and funny. Hang on, just... hang on. No, here we go. Yeah. Just uh, correcting the record. Yes. Helen Hayes 
won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress for Airport. Ah, that's right. It's oh, not an Irwin Allen film. Yeah. It might as well be. Yeah, yeah. that's a good, good uh, yeah, point. Yeah, E.G. Marshall, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, good point. I, then there was Airport 77. And all of them had George Kennedy. I remember <laughs> my mother and I going to see like Airport 74, Concord, whatever it was. Yeah. And there was George effing Kennedy saving the, saving the plane again. Uh, he played, you know what? I still remember his character's name, Joe Patron. Oh my George gosh. Kennedy played Joe Patron yeah. in all those effing movies. And he would always save the plane. I'm Joe Patron. I'm Joe Patron. Oh, breaking news. Jackie, uh, Zachary Quinto confirms yes. R rating for Tarantino's Star Trek. Yeah, well, that that was to be foreseen. Yeah, I, I get, kind of kind of makes <laughs> but sense. How would he confirm that the movie's not shot? It's not written. It must be because of something that he says or does uh, in the movie that yeah. he knows is going to get in an R. Yeah. Well, he was quoted as saying that Tarantino wanted to make a film where you saw the true consequences of space travel. Yeah. Like if you get sucked into the into space, your guts fly out and whatever. So it was really more about. At least at this early juncture, the cast knows what the what the storyline is, mm. and they're of course not going to say anything. But they did say that he wanted an R because Tarantino. It was important to him to truly convey the consequences of space travel. I got two words for you. Yeah. Never happened. Zombie tribbles. <laughs> Zombie tribbles. Uh, they keep reproducing and they won't die. This movie uh, will never happen, by the way. This Tarantino Star Trek never happens. So. Yeah. Do, do you really think that's going to happen? I don't know. I'm, I'm sure Paramount. Is absolutely will. Well, well, there's nothing. They will sell all their mothers to the devil to make this happen. But, but, but how do you continue the series if you don't do something like this? Because there's nothing know. that an ordinary, that, that any other director you can think of that could do that will matter. There's nothing that any other writer that you can think of can do that will matter. You know, I mean, it's tapped out. So unless you let Tarantino Tarantinoize it, then you then, then you might as well just kill the series. Well, the series is on is on life support anyway. It's not doing that great. The yeah. last one didn't do that well. No. They're already having problems trying to sign Chris Pine, right? Yeah. yeah. So I feel like that might be that. Uh, if I'm that, Chris Pine, I only do it if Tarantino is directed. That, you know what? That might be that to 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 bring it back to Tarantino. That might be that that needle in Uma Thurman's heart <laughs> that gets that, get, that that gets that dying patient living again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I uh, got three here from Arrow. That's releasing. a reference to Pulp Fiction, people. Yeah. <laughs> I got I got three from Arrow here. The first is a classic Sergio Martino film called Torso from 1973. Oh yeah, which is uh, kind of a uh, one of the late Giallo era films. Um, and Martino was one of the seminal figures in uh, in the Giallo genre. Anyway, the uh, the idea behind Torso is pretty simple. It's uh, you've got you know in in the city of Perugia, you got a, a a serial killer on the loose who's wiping out students, and so uh, a bunch of students decide to take a weekend away to try to get away from the killer, and naturally they realize he's with us. Yeah. And there you go. Now you have uh, classic uh, Jello, uh, which is fine. Loaded with extras and uh, more than I could, more than this movie really deserves, to be honest. But <laughs> seriously, there's a, there's a, there's an inter- an interesting video interview with the guy who co-wrote it, Ernesto Gastaldi. Uh, that's probably the most interesting thing here. There's also an audio commentary with the uh, the author Cat Ellinger, the author of All the Colors of Sergio Martino, which is more colors than I need to know anything about. Uh, and then uh, Deadbeat at Dawn is even bloodier. This is not Giallo, however. This is from director Jim Van, Jim Van Beber. Now, uh, Van Beber is an interesting low-budget guy, uh, and he, he basically made this as sort of his 
his revenge film after dropping out of film school. Uh, he used he he had leftover money on his student loan, and that's <laughs> what funded it. the film. Love it. Yeah, isn't that great? Uh, I don't know how you would do that loyally, uh, uh, legally today, but uh, in any case, it's uh, it's 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 quite quite gutsy. Anyway, that, this was made thirty years ago, uh, in uh, nineteen eighty eight, and uh, it is uh, basically just a straight up slaughter slasher film, which is uh, you know criminals who who wind up just getting trapped in a cycle of revenge and, and bloodletting, and it's. Uh, it's quite violent and vicious and, and horrific. It is really above and beyond, and it pushes a lot of buttons. Uh, there's a VHS documentary um, on it here. There's outtakes. There are you know, new interviews, audio commentary with Van Beber. I mean, there's a lot of stuff here if, uh, if this is your kind of film. And then one that I have to just uh, absolutely praise is the original schlock. No, not the documentary yes. that we all made with Ray Green mm. about... 17 years ago. Oh, stop. It hurts. Um, it hurts. It hurts. Ray has remastered it, by the I way. I know. It looks great. It looks terrific. Yeah. So uh, we're going to be re-releasing uh, that soon. But this is the original schlock, not the documentary, but the John Landis film, the directing debut of John Landis. And uh, what an odd, bizarre movie this is. Also from 1973, 79 minutes in length. Blows by very quickly. Uh, but it's such a weird movie. Like... Schlockthropus, the prehistoric ape who is now going on a rampage that is anything but scary. Mm. It's just a guy in a monkey suit. <laughs> uh, you know, it's... Uh, it, but still, it somehow has a certain <sighs> panache and a, and a kind of bravado to it that is uniquely John Landis, and you can see why this was able to get him a directing career. Mm. Uh, audio commentary here with Landis and Rick Baker. Which is terrific, and then birth of Sh- birth of a schlock, uh, which was a video interview with John Landis just done uh, a couple of years ago, and um, uh, another archival video interview with the cinematographer Bob Collins. A lot of fun stuff here. Mm, so I'm the, the original schlock. I'm running all John of Landis about every twenty minutes out there. Oh, I, I see him all over. The him place. and his, his wife is a wonderful, if I'm not mistaken, costume designer or production yeah, they're, designer. They're yeah. both lovely. They're uh, both they're absolutely went, lovely. Uh, George A. Ramirez, uh, who we lost, I think, what last year? Uh, yeah, George about A. That. We lost it. And Stephen King present Creep Show, another anthology, a series of uh, you know little horror uh, things. It, it, pretty neat. The, the, the best, inter- the most interesting thing about this uh, this particular film are all the fantastic people who are in it. I mean, notable, notable people yeah. uh, in Creep Show from 1982. You got Hal Holbrook, you got Adrian Barbeau, you My got goodness. Fritz Weaver, you got Leslie Nielsen, you got E.G. Marshall. <laughs> uh, dude, you got Ed Harris, youngish Ed Harris, uh, in, in, in yeah. one of these uh, movies. Uh, he's in Father's Day. You got Ted Danson. Uh, just, you know, right down the, you go through each one I'd of these. I've forgotten how many people were Just in notable, notable, notable yeah. actors who would go on to do all kinds of really, really neat stuff. And, and, and what is uh, effectively a fairly intense little series of, um, uh, of things packed full of all kinds of stuff. New 4K scans of the original camera negatives. New audio commentaries. New audio commentaries with all kinds of folks uh, on each one of the films. Special effects creators and uh, Tom Savini has talked to. You name it, uh, they do it. And, you know, if you, look at, if you look around this movie, this movie, there are probably, you know, in every department, every film department you can think of across these five movies, there are probably 150 extremely notable people who, since 1982, have gone on to have extremely notable careers. So Creep Show from George A. Ramiro and Stephen King. Uh, I've got a couple here from uh, Art Sploitation Films. Both of them, yeah, these are these are perfectly serviceable for uh, for a good Halloween party, a good Halloween night. Um, Trauma by Lucio Rojas. This is the unrated di- director's cut. 
And uh, I don't know what that necessarily means. Not having seen the rated director's cut, I don't know. But uh, anyway, this is, uh, once again, a bunch of women go into the country to have just a nice, quiet weekend. Why do they do that? Mm. Stay in the city. Yes. Just stay in the city. If there's a lesson to all these horror films, stay in the city. Don't go to the countryside because bad things happen out there. And don't split up no matter what you do. (laughs) Let's split up. (laughs) So stupid. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so there's a, you know, of course, once they're out there, like a lunatic attacks them and they they split up. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that's what happens. But anyway, uh, that's called trauma. And then the other one, is Molly. Um, Mandy? Uh, no, not Mandy. This is Molly. And uh, Molly is actually more interesting than it deserves to be. More because actually, because Mandy is, a, is very enjoyable if you're on Molly. Yeah. <laughs> For those who get the joke. <laughs> That's really good. Uh, very clever you are. Is it France that made you clever? Because you weren't that clever before. <laughs> Yeah. <gasps> so all the way back for this abuse. So M- Molly, Molly is basically a psychic girl living in a Mad Max post-apocalyptic wasteland. Now uh, that's got to be really a tough situation. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that and that's it. That's it. She, you know, she's uh, anyway. There and and you get into kind of a thunderdomey situation here, and and you know. It is what it is. It's a, it's just cage fighting and all that kind of nonsense. Well, I mean, the only thing it's, you can be psychic about are the horrible shit that's going to happen. And it's, <laughs> and it's just, there's no chance that anything good is going to happen. It's quite true. Uh, to be honest, it's actually kind of enjoyably made. It reminded me a little bit of Motorama. Do you remember Motorama? Oh, yeah. The kid with the eye patch. Yeah. It's got that kind of vibe to it. Flea. Yeah. And uh, so it's not bad. Uh, it's, it's really low budget. But then again, so is the original Mad Max. Mm. Uh, and the movie is Molly. And uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was a much better film than uh, it's been given credit for. Mm. Uh, Maximum Overdrive from 1986, another Stephen King uh, adaptation. Yo, my wife, uh, A, uh, made me buy her every Stephen King novel in heart back. Just all those years, 30 years worth of Stephen King, every single one of them. So uh, and I was never a big fan, you know, of Stephen, but she loved all this crap. Made me take her really? to see every one of these Stephen King adaptations. The adaptations were usually worse than the books. <laughs> so, so I'm like, I don't know. I feel like you're kicking me here. Yeah, the only one that was great is one that Stephen King didn't like. Yeah, <laughs> because Stanley Cooper did it. And then, he, and then Stephen makes it again in the, in the 90s exactly like the book, and it's crap, too. Like, like Tim Daly. They go from Jack Nicholson to Tim Daly. Stephen, Stephen, he take, took it also literally. This is kind of neat, though, in its conception. The, the Earth passes through the tail of a comet, and all of the machines on Earth uh, become sentient, and what they want to do is kill humans, uh, which makes sense to you. The main one is a big old uh, uh, truck, a big old diesel truck that has the face of a sort of just funny green demon face on it. But every machine in this movie, is, the Coke machine is, is shooting Pepsis at people's heads, and sometimes it connects. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Well, and, this with Emilio Estevez. Emilio Estevez, young Emilio so Estevez, uh, when he was, uh, you know, almost a movie star. Uh, man, that's an interesting career right there, Emilio Estevez. Dude, he was an auteur for a moment there, he, he, he right? Direct, for like nine seconds. Yeah. And then what happened? You know, Mighty Ducks made him six hundred million dollars, and I guess he said, "The hell with this." Uh, too bad. Is it he direct? Was there like some Bobby Kennedy thing he directed or something? Hmm. Oh, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think yeah, that yeah. might have killed the career uh, back exactly. then. He should have kept doing these. Anyway, this thing is packed full of special features, auto commentaries with the writing director and blah, 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 and this, that, and the other thing. Um, I, I remember this as being one of the Stephen King adaptations that I actually rather enjoyed. Uh, directed by whom? Stephen King. You know, the, the thing that I remember about this in particular 
there's a funny, funny story about Maximum Overdrive where Stephen King is trying to figure out how to direct a movie while directing, mm -hmm. and uh, he was shooting some some scenes and he was crossing the line, and mm -hmm. the crew told him, oh, "You're crossing the line. You shouldn't probably, probably shouldn't do that." And he says, "Why?" And they're like, it's just, "It's just a rule. You're not supposed to do it." And he didn't understand. And he, you know, who explained to him why you're not supposed to cross the line? It's got to be David he? Lynch. Oh, David Lynch. Ah, <laughs> called, David Lynch. Interesting. He called David Lynch and said. What's this crossing the line stuff? And Lynch apparently laughed and said, that's eh, a stupid idea. But it's like, no, no, don't listen to David. He does what he wants, man. You can't do that. This is your first film. Obey the rules. Learn how to break them. First. Don't break them right out of the gate. Uh, uh, you think, think Emilio would have helped him out with that. Yeah, Come on. Yeah, all right, whatever. Bobby. Estevez directed Bobby. He, didn't, he wasn't in that movie, though, right? No, he directed it. The story of... Uh, yeah, Bruce, right. Bruce, Bruce Greenwood? Bruce Greenwood in that movie? No. The, uh, Bruce uh, Greenwood was in uh, the Donaldson film. The Roger Donaldson Oh, film. Nine Days with, oh, with, 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 with that, Kevin Costner. Yeah. 13 Days. 13, 13, 13 Days, days yeah. 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 excellent. Yeah. This one's okay. Yeah. So, I uh, got some cool exploitation stuff here. The first one is a film called Bloodlust. This is a 1977 Swiss horror film. Ooh. I know what you're thinking. Swiss horror? I've heard of Swiss milk, Swiss cheese, Swiss chocolate, Swiss miss. Swiss miss. <laughs> I've heard of Swiss watches. You know, I've heard all kinds of Swiss knives, Swiss uh, like what Swiss army knife, but Swiss horror. Mm. No, Switzerland made a horror film, uh, directed by the name of Marajan Yada. Uh, Y-A-J-D-A. Never heard of whoever this is. Don't know if it's a man or woman. I have no clue. All I know is this is an absolute stone-cold riot. So the idea is this guy, it's about a guy who is a deaf-mute accountant who becomes a vampire. Mm. But he doesn't become a vampire because he's bitten by a vampire. He just, he just kind of likes liquid that's red. <laughs> and he sort of fixates on it, and, you know, and ketchup, okay. And then he, at one point he even like drinks red ink. And that doesn't really yeah. this, the, fit the bill. So anyway, it, it's it's really unbelievably funny. I don't yeah. know if it's intentionally funny, but it's called Bloodlust from 1977. This is Mondo Macabro, and uh, it is it's seriously bizarre and uh, quite a lot of fun. Uh, the other one is Mario Bava's famous Blood and Black Lace, which mm. is out in uh, Blu-ray, and this is a Blu-ray DVD combo set. This has been out a billion times previously in uh, uh, on DVD. It is now out on Blu-ray from VCI, and it is perfectly fine. Uh, they found some really good elements. They did a 2K restoration on them. Color is all fine. Uh, scratches removed. It's pretty pristine looking. Very, very nice job. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's all about, uh, you know, models and sex and murder. Mm, and serial killer killing serial models. Killing. Yeah. And it's, it is what it is. It's a Mario Bava film and you're, you're going to have a lot of good Oddly things. Cameron Mitchell in the film. Sort of right. weird. Yeah, yeah, but you know, whatever. And then the last two here uh, of the exploitation stuff, and then I'm going to turn this over to Mark to, uh, to give us some oldies but goodies. Joe D'Amato uh, is just a legendary gore director who's really terrible, but the movie is going to be a lot of fun. The first one is Anthropoph Anthropophagus. Anthropophagus. Basically, bottom line, it's a guy eating human flesh and, and guts for uh, about 90 minutes. Yeah, That's man. all it is. It's Seriously, it made in 1980. It's just a cannibal movie. Yeah. It's just a straight-up cannibal movie with really, really terrible gore effects, but it's kind of funny. And you have an interesting interview with the guy who did the, uh, the uh, special effects on this, the gore effects, uh, Pietro Tenolio, and a few other little featurettes to give you some behind-the-scenes stuff. It, but other, for the most part, it's pretty stupid. And then we have another Joe D'Amato movie called Absurd. Uh, and uh, this is, has, a, has 
slightly more plot, to be honest. It's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit more kind of uh, conceived, but it's still basically, uh, it just, it, you know, it's it's like a slasher film in a hospital. That's all it is, and <laughs> it is seriously. It, there's like a little bit of plot here, but then you know, it just starts being gore and 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 more gore, and that's all it really is. And uh, there it is. That's another Joe D'Amato film. If you like Joe D'Amato, those two from Severin will scratch the itch. Joe D'Amato. Mark, what else do we? Yes, Joe DiMaggio, exactly. Just the guy you want. The, the great, the great horror actor. <laughs> uh, from the uh, classic old days of movie of the week, movies of the week. Wait, movie of the week. Remember yes, those? I do. Instead of instead of movies of the week, we now have Netflix. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. We have uh, three from Kino Lorber. Two, not that great, but one actually surprisingly okay. Uh, Darren McGavin starred in a uh, little dealie called The Night Stalker. Of course, we all know The Night Stalker. He's an investigative journalist, and he uh, decides to, uh, his beat is the supernatural. It was a very highly rated TV movie, and uh, took place in... Um, 1974. 1974, wound up uh, getting us into Kolchak. Kolchak. Oh, yes. People love that show, and I don't know why. Yeah. It's, this is not thing because it's a very short-lived series. There are only twenty. There are only twenty episodes. I, 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 I don't get the. That's, that's not even a whole season. Maybe the concept's okay. We get like this kind of gritty urban detective, but his beat is supernatural. Yeah, yeah. And the thing of it is, because Culture, he was kind of like um, Jim Rockford, only dealing with you know. And he would he, he would discover these things. He would be right. The supernatural thing would be true. Of course, his editors wouldn't believe him. Exactly. You know, and he'd write exactly. I'm telling you, the X Files and all of that stuff is there's a thread. That runs straight through sure. the Night Stalker for, for sure. sure. Well, after yeah. that, they followed that up with um, the Night Strangler, uh, yeah. which is the same darn thing. It's another movie of the week, and uh, this one has an audio commentary by film historian uh, Tim Lucas and a new interview with uh, with the composer and uh, feature on directing the film. Anyway, if you love these things and if you love Joanne Flug. By the way, if you love game shows from I the seventies, Joanne Flug. Who doesn't mm. love Joanne Flug? You mean she was not just a game show ho- uh, a guest? No, she actually was an actress. She started the Night Strangler. That's amazing. Now the other uh, Kino Lorber number is uh, Trilogy of Terror. Now Trilogy of Terror is actually not bad. It's another TV movie. Uh, this one, by the way, restored in 4K like the other two. And the thing with these is that they all star uh, Karen Black. Now Karen Black, for about eight seconds, was an actual actress. Yeah. And then she started to do a bunch of garbage, and then she became a kind of a, not a Sybil Danning-style garbage queen, but a bit of a garbage queen. Yeah. But this is actually not bad because there are three short films strung together, and they're all written by Richard Matheson. Ah. Now, Richard Matheson, if you don't know, is one of the great sci-fi writers uh, of all time. Of all time. Plenty of Last Twilight Man Zones, on Earth. Last Man on Earth. Yeah. Uh, so Richard Matheson... Typing something out on the toilet is going to be better than uh, three quarters of what you'll get from polished writers of the era. So, Trilogy of Terror is really actually not bad. So, there you go. That's three from um, that's three from uh, Kino Lorber. All right. Uh, some, and we're going to wrap things out here with a few uh, little indie horror things and think a little indie genre things. One that's more intelligent than almost anything else here is called Painless. Uh, this is written and directed by Jordan Horowitz. Really, a very interesting idea. Uh, I'd say probably about two thirds of it is is successful. The last third is not quite uh, quite there. But uh, it's about a guy who um, who has a. The only part that doesn't make sense here is if you had a condition where you can't feel physical pain, mm. wouldn't you be like, woohoo, yeah? Mm, I, at first, and then you'd realize I'm bleeding <laughs> from everywhere. Uh, but, uh, there, but there should be a way to kind of 
you know, somehow find, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he wants to be cured, and uh, he, he goes to the wrong scientist for the cure, because, of course, when you have those kinds of conditions, somehow you always get drawn to the mad scientist types. Uh, but still, that said, it's an interesting film. It's an interesting concept. Well done. Jordan Horowitz, a very smart young filmmaker, who also provides a very smart commentary as well. And there's also a little behind-the-scenes featurette. That's from Indican, and it is called Painless. And then we also have Third Night. Um, Third Night is more mood than anything else, and that's what I liked. Uh, not so much the, the particulars of the film. It, the, the, the story is, you know, take it or leave it. This is about a, uh, uh, a, a couple who is terrorized by a stalker, and uh, the stalker will stalk you for two nights and then kill you on the third night. That's the, hence the title, Third Night. Uh, anyway, the, uh, but the, the actual plot of the thing, not quite all there, but the mood of it, the directing, is very, very sharp. It's a good little cast, especially Jesse McGinn and Robert Hartburn. Uh, very, very good. Also with Bruce Denny and Connor Gossati. Not names, but it's a, it's a, you know it's a it, it's got solid mood and good good performances. Mm, interesting, and in this one that I have afraid from the co-creator of Punked has the exact same plot <laughs> as, as, as the movie you just described. You know, a, a couple they rent this house, uh, a little, little little cabin for a weekend, sort of getaway kind of thing, cabins. cabin in the woods. Yeah, you know, yeah, a condo in the city, people. Yeah, a condo in the yeah. city. Yeah. Enough with cabins. Cabins in the woods are just a bad idea, and, 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 and things get horrifying when they realize that the guy who rented them the cabin has been watching them through all kinds of little holes and whatnot that he's put all over the cabin just so he look i'm telling you dude you arrive at a cabin with your wife and some old creepy dude lets you in and shows you around just accept the fact that there are holes every place and he's watching everything just you know, either that or go home there you go uh no special features it's kind of okay but not great uh housewife that sounds like a like a movie that should not be necessarily a horror movie uh the tagline is another one of those great ones family Requires sacrifice. Ooh, ew, icky. Uh, so uh, here's the thing: you got a woman who's who's dealing with all kinds. She's a housewife, but she's got all kinds of baggage from childhood, and uh, it it of course resurfaces when she meets up with a guy who is basically another version of the uh, the, the Linus Roach character from Mandy. Mm. That's it. Uh, and that just uh, that just unravels everything, and next thing you know, it's uh, just all hell breaks loose in the here and now. And uh, housewife ain't a housewife no more. So that's the way it goes. It's uh, it's pretty twisted. Uh, this in th this is kind of the inverse of the one I just mentioned, which is that it's it's not so much the mood, but more the the storyline that warrants better direction. Still, um, some interesting ideas here. Housewife. And that comes to us from uh, Robert Johnson's company, RLJ Entertainment. Mm, from Screen Media, Don't Open Your Eyes. This is about a guy who's a hospice nurse. He's kind of he's kind of apathetic and not a very particularly good hospice nurse. He gets a gig uh, at a house way out in the woods, working for this old lady, and kind of figures out that him and this old lady both have a sort of dark thing going on, uh, and uh, you know, um, dark forces, this, that, and the other thing. Blah blah blah. This is not very good. Uh, uh, but you know, this is one of those movies that has a nugget of an idea. Nugget of an idea, uh, mood and, and tone. But as you're watching the movie, you realize there's nothing happening here. And there's nothing going to happen here. And then the movie's over. <laughs> here's, here's one that takes a ridiculous premise and somehow turns it into f some fairly effective uh, chills. The premise is utterly stupid. The movie's called Sleep No More. 
Uh, and the uh, this is from the people who did Final Destination, which was far, far better. So the, the premise of Sleep No More is so stupid. Uh, so you've got these graduate students, these five graduate students, who've somehow cooked up this idiotic premise that if somebody could actually stay awake for 200 hours, that's it. That's the threshold. Mm. Now your body goes, oh, I really don't need to sleep, and you'll never, ever need to sleep again. Yeah. That's, that's their premise. That's their, their graduate thesis, right? Mm. Where, where if you can get to 200 hours, you'll never need to sleep ever again. Mm. Now, that, really, which is... I know, yeah. right? It so like it was dreamed up at some like industry cocktail party <laughs> over like meatballs on a toothpick. It's like you know, it would be cool. Probably. Oh, be good. Oh, it's amazing. You're like, God, what if we did a movie on it? Probably by some guy who hasn't slept for four or five days. It's, it's or it's cooked up by editors. Yeah. Right. Who who don't sleep for days anyway. Uh, so of course, naturally, what happens is they're able to stay awake for two hundred hours, but it's not. It, it, what, what happens is not what you think what happens. It's, it's, it's just the sleep version of the, I'll bet if we open that door, butterflies will fly out. No, if you open that door, monsters from another dimension will come through and eat you. Don't do that. So here it's like, I'll bet if we stay awake for 200 hours, we'll never need to sleep again. No, if you sleep for 200 hours, weird stuff is yeah. going to start happening and bad things will happen to everyone and you don't know what will be coming out of your psyche and what mm. you'll be doing. Yeah. And of course that's what happens. So yeah. it's called Sleep No More. Well executed, ridiculous premise, but ultimately it's sort of redeemed itself in the execution yeah your body won't do that by the way strange nature uh you have this family they're off in the the woods of minnesota they start seeing these uh very bizarrely deformed frogs two-headed yeah. frogs i've seen two-headed frogs before but these are you know, Ooh, like horrible really you've seen a two-headed oh frog? yeah that happens every now and again uh, um, uh out in nature because you know nature is messy um uh, uh this gets so sort of ugly and then and then other things start deforming uh and uh, you, you just start to get two-headed wolves and two-headed this and then they're sort of monsters and then of course uh uh, here come the people with two hits. Oh, no. Please, and that's going to happen. Please, 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 please tell me <laughs> one of them has a head of Ray Milland and Rosie Greer. <laughs> please tell me. Wouldn't that's that, my would, favorite thing of all time. Wouldn't that have been fantastic? <laughs> wouldn't that have been fantastic? If I do like something about this uh, movie, it's that the uh, the lead is a female lead. It's her and her little boy. The little nice. boy's about 11 years old. Mom's mom's out there, and she's you know she's got Junior, and she's going to protect her son against all these two-headed uh, monsters with a shotgun. You can't go wrong with that. Fantastic. My goodness, I think that does it. Are we done with Halloween? The Halloween the Halloween, special. Another Halloween special under, under our belt. Mark? Yes, sir. So good having you. How, how much longer are you, uh, are you around town? I, I'm in Los Angeles till the end of December. Till the end, so you're here for the holidays, except for New Year's. Well, my last day at E is December 21st, uh, and I plan on getting, the, getting on the first chief flight back to Paris. Uh, yeah. So that's December 22nd. I'm gone December 22nd. If it's gotcha. December 27th, I'm gone December 27th. Because well, rinse, rinse away. The only thing is I need to be back by January 7th because I restart. My French language classes. There you go. Are you, are you to, here? Yes. Are you here through basically through LAFCA voting? You're going to be here for the voting meeting. You know, it's funny. I was not going to vote because I thought that. Oh, but you're going to get screeners. No, I told Justin I didn't want the screeners because oh. I, I'm, I'm a little itinerant right now. Why did you do that? But, well, because where are they going to send them to? And I yeah, you can, you, you, can, you can send them to one of us and we can send them here. Just, just be sitting here, yeah. Then you know what? Here's the, I have nothing to watch them on. And by the way, if there's something that I really. You know what I'll do? Yeah. Honestly, I kid you not. I will. I will. Um, yeah. No. I. I, I guess. I, no. I won't. What is it? Whatever you're gonna say. <laughs> if anybody <laughs> listens to it, they're gonna hate you. You, you. you don't have a DVD player. No, I have nothing. I'm. I'm. I'm a complete homeless man who's sleeping on couches for three months. Okay. But here's the thing. I talked to Ray about this, and I think if we get enough links, 
and maybe yeah. I, I could maybe borrow some stuff I gotta see. Yeah. And I and I have seen a bunch. Of, I have seen more. Don't stuff. pirate any of it like you usually do. I'm not gonna pirate it. Okay. And and, and 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 but I have seen stuff in legitimate fashion. Sure. Like Mandy. Yeah. Um, I think I might actually. Yeah, vote. Mandy's gonna be in the running. I think I might vote with some with some abstention. So are are there are there any screenings in Paris of the big releases done by any of the? Uh, I mean, you know, for whatever. I mean, because they have all kinds of reward uh, programs uh, happening over there. So will there be screenings of the big movies for you someplace over there? Well, you know what? If if I was going to be there during the award season, I would have totally looked into that. Yeah. But the fact is, is that now I'm trying to get people to send me links. Mm-hmm. Like, like I've been on those. Have you, have you been on Richie Solomon's site? Mm. So this guy named Richie Solomon. I don't know who he is, where he came from, what his deal is. But every year, Richie Solomon posts links to all of the studio awards. Oh yes, yes, schedules. yes. I have that. Oh I have that, that, that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I have that bookmarked. Yeah. And a lot of stuff is closed. Like I have. I don't know when I'm going to see the favorite. I'm going to have to just. Yeah. Who, who who's distributing the favorite? Uh, the you favorite saw that already, didn't you? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, is it Focus? Is fo is favorite a Focus film? I, I might, might ask focus. you guys. For Wait, a, wasn't yeah. that, that open last week, right? Oh no, the favorite doesn't open for a few more weeks. It's still, uh, yeah. You saw it already, though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know what? What I'm going to do is I'm going to see. I'm going to get from you the latest contact at Focus. Okay. Focus. You got it. I'll see if they'll send me a link, which I'm sure they won't. But I could tell them you can expire it in 12 hours. I don't care. Mm. There we I go. I just need to see because all the screenings are closed for that. Well, we're gonna have a good, good few weeks. Uh, all right, folks, we will, uh, we'll be back soon. Are you Mark, saying I bored you. Are you saying okay? You wanted me to wrap up that story about the favorite so fast <laughs> that you just went, oh, we're done, folks. Bye. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Go, roll. He's yeah, never gonna I see that movie. Shit to do. We got nothing to do. Eh? <laughs> He's nothing gonna... to do. Yeah, that's probably true. Okay, uh, Mark, thank you for being here the last two weeks. Uh, Outstanding. Can we expect you to be here for maybe for another show or two? I think so, because here's, here's yeah. how I look at it. Wait. Okay. I feel like I am Steve Perry from Journey, and Tim is that, that Taiwanese guy. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Who could sing, by the way. Because here's the thing. I've been away from the show for so long. It's your show now. I, I don't think I dropped it and said hello. So really... Tim, you are the Taiwanese Mark. Go with God. It's your show. I get emails every day with your name on it. Hey, Mark. Hey, Mark. Hey, Mark. Yes, oh, every, the, every day. Is it stuff that only I can answer that I should be reading? Or? I, I figure no, you don't care. Is it my, 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 my fans and solicitations yeah. for it? All no, kinds those of things. You can keep. Yeah. All right. Folks, have a happy Halloween, and we'll see you soon.